So yesterday you studied the first and second noble truth. The first noble truth is the noble truth of suffering, and the second noble truth is the noble truth of the origin of suffering. So the first noble truth is the effect. The second noble truth is the cause. And in Pali, the first noble truth is called Dukkha. Dukkha Riya Satya. So that's Dukkha. And then the second noble truth is called Samudaya. S-A-M-U-D-A-Y-A. Samudaya means cause. Actually, it, it, it is called Dukkha Samudaya, cause of suffering. And what is suffering? <laughs> everything, everything in the world is suffering, right? Uh, in, in, in short, what, what are said to be suffering? The last sentence, in short, the five, the five aggregates of clinging are suffering, right? So in detail, birth is suffering, Aging is suffering, death is suffering, and so on. And then the second noble truth. What is the second noble truth? It is a cause of dukkha. And what is the cause of dukkha? Craving, right? So in Pali it is called tanha. Okay. So tanha is the cause of suffering. But is tanha the only cause of suffering? No, there are other causes as well. But here, tanha is prominent, so it, it, it is said to be the cause of suffering here. So, what, what companions must it have? Ignorance and karma, right? So, these three produce rebirth. So, what does ignorance do? Blindfold, okay. And the, 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 the what does craving do? Uh, it turns to turns uh, the person to uh, so that means it it makes the person attached to likes uh, attached to the uh, existence or to like the existence and what di- what does karma do? Yeah, it pushes him into the precipice. That means it produces the rebirth in the next existence. So, uh, we have gone through two, two noble truths. That means two truths discovered and penetrated and also taught by the Buddha. The first noble truth is like what? A simile. The first noble truth is like a disease. Right? And the second noble truth is like the cause and the cause of the disease. So, let us say Buddha was a doctor, a physician, and the world is a patient. So Buddha examined the patient, the world, and then found out that this world had the disease of dukkha or suffering. And then Buddha said, there is also the cause of this disease, cause of this suffering. Then the patient wants to know whether this disease can be cured, whether there can be disappearance of or cessation of this disease. So in order to give consolation 
to the patient. The world Buddha said there is the cessation of suffering, and that is the third noble truth. So the third noble truth is the noble truth of the cessation of suffering, the stopping of suffering, or the the disappearance of suffering. But when Buddha described the third noble truth, he said. It is the cessation of that very craving. Can you find that passage? Uh, yesterday's uh, lesson is about the beginning of yesterday's lesson. Yes. So here, both the equation is cessation of craving equals cessation of dukkha, right? So. Buddha described cessation of dukkha as cessation of craving. Buddha did not say disappearance of dukkha is cessation of dukkha, but he said the cessation of craving is the cessation of dukkha. That means only when craving is removed can there be cessation of dukkha. Because we have to deal with the cause if we want to get rid of the effect. So we cannot deal with the effect if we don't want the effect. We must deal with the cause. So Buddha here said, the cessation of dukkha is the cessation of craving or tanha. And here the, our commentator said. Buddhas are like lions, so the lions always attack the real enemy or real source of the danger. But uh, the other teachers are like dogs. Now, when you throw a stone at the dog, the dog will follow the stone and not you. Right? You throw a stone at the dog, and then he will go after the stone, but not. After you, so those that belong to other other faiths act like that because when they practice the mortification of the body as a means to eradicate mental defilements, now they are dealing with the effects and not the cause. The cause of suffering is tanha. But they do not do anything about tanha. But they are just uh, afflicting their bodies. So, you know the word mortification. Ah. So, so they 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 inflict suffering on themselves. They lying on the spikes. You know the spikes thorns lying on the thorns, or standing for a long time, and sitting in the sun. In the middle of four uh, fires and so on, they think that if they do like that, their their mental defilements will go dry. But actually, that is not true, because they are dealing with the effect and not with the cause. Now, Buddha always deal with the cause and not with the effect. So that is why here Buddha said the cessation of suffering. Is the cessation of 
that same craving. That same craving means that craving described as producing rebirth and so on. And it is the total cessation, cessation without any remainder, cessation without any remainder is called the uh, third noble truth. Sometimes something may cease, but they may leave something, some residue. But here, cessation means total cessation. Total cessation means once they are removed, they will not come back again. And that is very important. Only this kind of removal can stop suffering. Suppose you are paying homage to the Buddha. So at that moment, there are no mental defilements in your mind. So you, you are preventing mental defilements from arising in your mind at that moment. So your mind is pure. But it is pure only when you are paying homage to the Buddha. You get up from that place and then you find uh, someone who provokes you and then you will get angry. Right? So anger can come back. Although at the moment when you are paying respects to the Buddha, you have no anger, it can come back when there are conditions for it. And with the practice of jhana, with the practice of samadhi, you can keep these away, the mental defilements away from your mind for some time, some longer time, but not, not total eradication. You, you may get jhana and you may be in jhana for one hour, two hours, three hours and so on. So during those three hours of uh, one or two or three hours, your mind is pure. There are no mental defilements. But you get out of jhana and again you find something uh, provoking and you will get angry and so on. So they can come back. But eradication at the moment of enlightenment is total eradication, absolute eradication. Once eradicated at the moment of uh, enlightenment, these mental defil defilements will never arise in your mind again. So among these here, the cessation without remainder means that kind of cessation, the total cessation. One sees they will not come back again. So the third noble truth is cessation of suffering, and cessation of suffering means just Nibbana. So the third noble truth is actually Nibbana. So Nibbana is called Niroda or cessation because it is the cause for cessation. Cause for cessation means at the moment of enlightenment, Nibbana serves as the object for the path consciousness to arise. Okay, now let us, let us talk about enlightenment. What is enlightenment? What happens at the moment of enlightenment? Enlightenment comes to a person who practices vipassana meditation. So without vipassana meditation, there can be no enlightenment. Suppose a person is practicing vipassana meditation and he 
goes through different stages of vipassana knowledge one by one, one by one. And when his vipassana meditation becomes mature, then a type of consciousness arises in his mind. That consciousness he has never experienced before. Now we have different types of consciousness. We, we experience different types of consciousness. Sometimes wholesome consciousness, sometimes unwholesome consciousness. But that consciousness that arises at the moment of enlightenment is a special kind of consciousness. And that consciousness he has never experienced before. So that consciousness is called Magga, M-A-G-G-A. Magga is translated as path. So it is called path consciousness. When that consciousness arises, that consciousness takes Nibbana as object. And it is that, that Magga consciousness that eradicates the mental defilements. So what we mean by Enlightenment is that arising of Magga consciousness and Magga consciousness taking Nibbana as object and Magga consciousness eradicating mental defilements. That is what we call enlightenment. So, what constitutes enlightenment? Hmm? <laughs> what is enlightenment? Three things in enlightenment. Arising of path consciousness. And that is one, one element of enlightenment. And the second one is that path consciousness taking Nibbana as object. That is another element. And then the, the third one is that consciousness eradicating mental defilements. And eradicating means destroying Total, right, totally. So they will the, the mental defilements eradicated will never arise again in that person. So that is what we call enlightenment. So in order for the path consciousness to arise, there must be nibbana. Because path consciousness takes nibbana as object. Object means something you hold on to, your your consciousness holds on to. Now, this is a microphone. I am looking at the microphone and there is seeing in me, right? So, this microphone is the object of my seeing. So, this is called an object. Now, you are hearing my voice. My voice is the object of your hearing. Now, you think of something and then that thing in your mind is the object of your thinking. Now, you know what object is. Hmm? So, Path consciousness takes Nibbana as object, that cessation of Dukkha as object. If there were no Nibbana, there can be no Magga consciousness, because Magga consciousness always takes Nibbana as object. So Nibbana serves as object for Magga Cheta to arise, and it is the Magga Cheta that eradicates the mental defilements. So here, Nibbana is described as cessation of suffering means it is the cause of cessation of suffering. 
course means not pro- producing something, but but serving as a condition, serving as a cause for uh, maga consciousness to eradicate. So you understand this? If there were no nibbana, maga chitta, maga uh, consciousness cannot arise, right? Because maga consciousness must take nibbana as object. Since without nibbana, maga chitta cannot arise, there can be no eradication of mental defilement without nibbana. Although it is not nibbana that eradicates mental defilements, it is the maga consciousness that eradicates mental defilements. Do you understand? Okay. Since nibbana serves as the object for magacchita that eradicates mental defilements, uh, that that gets free from mental defilements and so on, nibbana is said to be a cause or condition for the uh, cessation of dukkha. So when we say that the when we say the third third noble truth is the cessation of dukkha, we mean nibbana is the third noble truth. And many people think that nibbana is a place to go to. Sometimes people say, or even in in the in the books, it is said that uh, somebody goes to nibbana or somebody reaches nibbana. And these are not exact statements. These are figurative speech. Nibbana is not a place to reach. There is no such place as nibbana. Now, you know that there are 31 planes of existence. Human plane, a plane of celestial beings and so on. So, altogether there are 31. But nibbana is not not one of these 31 planes. Nibbana is beyond those planes. And nibbana, we cannot say where nibbana is. Because it has no place. It has no form, no shape, no color. It is just a, a, a peaceful state. Peaceful state free from both mind and matter, free from mental defilements, free from five aggregates, and so free from dukkha. So it is just a state, and when we say somebody reaches nibbana, we mean just that person takes nibbana as object for his consciousness. When a person takes nibbana as object, I mean, take nibbana, sees nibbana directly, then he is said to attain nibbana. So attainment of nibbana means not getting nibbana, like getting something. Say you get something and say you attain something. But here, what is meant is your mind takes nibbana as object, and that is what we call realizing nibbana. So realizing nibbana means not making nibbana uh, come into being, not not producing nibbana. Nibbana is not a product of anything, but just nibbana becomes the object of his mind. And that is what we, uh, what we call attainment of nibbana. Now, there is a question. Can we take nibbana as object? Now, you pay homage to the Buddha, 
or you do some merit, the offering food, like offering food today, and then what do you, what do you say? What do you wish for? May I attain nibbana? Yeah, something like that. Uh, we we Buddhists always say, may I attain nibbana or may I attain maga and phala. Right. So when when you say may I attain nibbana. Can you take Nirvana as object, or do you take Nirvana as object at that moment? <laughs> yeah? Yes or no? Yes. The Nirvana that you take as object, uh, when you say, may I attain Nirvana, is not the real Nirvana. It, it is a concept, because you have heard that Nirvana is a cessation of suffering, Nirvana is a state to wish for, and so you say, may I attain Nirvana. So the nibbana that you take as object is not the real nibbana, an imitation of that nibbana. <laughs> so the real nibbana can be taken as object only at the moment of enlightenment. And after that moment of enlightenment, if that person wants to take nibbana as object again, then he can enter into what is called phalasamapati, attainment of fruition. So during that phalasamapati, it is like a jhana. So during that, uh, during the time when he is in phalasamapati, his mind is totally on nibbana. Now nibbana is a very peaceful state. When your mind takes nibbana as object, your mind, your mind also becomes very peaceful. That is why those who have attained enlightenment want, want to, want to attain, want to go into that attainment as often as they can. Because for them, the samsara is like a, like a, like a burning house. They want to get out of this samsara as soon as possible. But so long as they are living, they have to be in this samsara. But even though they are in the samsara, sometimes they want to take a vacation from samsara. So in order to take a vacation from samsara, they get into that kind of attainment called phalasamapati. So during the time when they are in the attainment of phala, their mind is totally on. Nibbana, which is a very peaceful state. So when, when the mind takes the very peaceful state, the mind also becomes peaceful. Now you think of something disturbing, and your mind becomes disturbed, right? Yes, you think of something peaceful, and your mind becomes peaceful. When your mind becomes peaceful, your body also becomes peaceful. So, those who have attained enlightenment often go into that kind of attainment or the phalasamapati in order to get away from suffering as much as possible in the world. So Nibbana is not a place to go to, and not a thing, not anything at all, right? We cannot describe Nibbana adequately because Nibbana is beyond all description. Even, even when we call nirvana is a state, we do not mean that nirvana has existence. When we say something exists, we mean that it comes into being and it stays for some time 
and then it disappears. So there are three stages of existence. The first one is arising or coming into being. The second one is standing for some time, existing for some time. And then the third is disappearing. So these three are called the characteristic of conditioned phenomena. So all conditioned phenomena as these three uh, stages of existence. So when we say something exists, we mean that it comes into being, it stays for some time, and then it disappears and it is no more. So if we say nirvana exists, then we might mean that nirvana has a beginning and then nirvana has an end. So nirvana is not, not permanent. Nirvana is also impermanent. So we do not mean that. That is why we do not say Nirvana exists. So some some teachers say Nirvana is, but, but it does not exist. Nirvana is something there, but we do not describe it as exist. But it is not nothingness. Uh, you may you may take an example of health. What is health? <laughs> yeah? <laughs> health means no disease, right? So you, you have no disease and that is called health. So it, it is a kind of state. But we, we do not say health as a beginning or, 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 or an end. But health is a state and it is a positive state, right? To be healthy is positive or negative? Positive. So health is a positive state. But when we define health, we say, oh, health means absence of uh, disease, right? So we describe a positive state with, with negative words, because this is the only way we can describe health. In the same way, nirvana is a positive state, but it is often described with negative words. Deathless. Deathless means not dying, uh, something like that. So, the nirvana we take as object when we say, may I attend nirvana and so on, is not the real nirvana. So, the real nirvana can be taken only by the path consciousness. And that path consciousness at the, at the enlightenment moment is immediately followed by two or three moments of fruition consciousness. You may have heard about or read, read words like Maka Phala, Maka Phala Nibbana. Phala, the fruition is Phala, and fruition immediately follows the Maga. So there is no gap, no interval between Maga and Phala at the first attainment of Maga. And those Phala moments also take Nibbana as object directly uh, take Nibbana as object, like, like the Magga, Magga consciousness. So, in the process of enlightenment, the real point of enlightenment is the Magga consciousness, and this Magga consciousness is immediately followed by two or three moments of Phala consciousness. And Phala consciousness also take 
Nibbana as object. And Maga and Phala consciousness are called supramundane consciousness. They do not belong to this world. They belong to, they belong beyond this world. Beyond this world means beyond the five aggregates of clinging. So they are called supramundane consciousness. The object of the supramundane consciousness is always Nibbana. And this Nibbana is here the third noble truth, the cessation of suffering. So it is like the cure of the disease. So this is the third, third noble truth. The third noble truth, which is Nibbana, can be described as of two kinds. One is Nibbana, which is evident while the aggregates are remaining. And the other one is the Nibbana, which is evident when there are no remainder of aggregates. Suppose a person becomes an Arahant. When he becomes an Arahant, his mental defilements are all eradicated. Huh? So, the destruction of mental defilements at the moment when a person becomes an Arahant is called one kind of Nibbana. It is called a Nibbana of mental defilement. I mean, Nibbana means, uh, let us just call cessation, cessation of mental defilements. So, after he becomes an Arahant, he has no mental defilements, but he still has this body. He still has other types of consciousness. So these aggregates are remaining with him. So when when a person becomes an arahant and before his death, he may experience nibbana again and again and again. So that the nibbana he experiences when he is alive before he dies is called one kind of nibbana. Nibbana with the aggregates remaining. And when an arahant dies, he dies. He disappears like a flame of a lamp. So when the flame of a lamp goes out, can you see where it goes? No. Can you say it is now here or it is now there? No, it, it just goes out. In the same way, when an arahant dies, he just disappears. We cannot say uh, he is now here, he is now there. Because the remaining aggregates have all ceased. So, at that moment, the Nibbana that is evident is called Nibbana without the remaining aggregates. So, there are two kinds of Nibbanas. Actually, not, not two different kinds, but by way of giving names, then we can call the, the first kind of Nibbana as Nibbana with uh, aggregates remaining, and the second one as Nibbana with, uh, without aggregates remaining. So Nibbana with aggregates remaining is experienced by Arahants before they die. And Nibbana without aggregates remaining becomes evident after the death of the Arahants. We do not say that 
the second nibbana is experienced by arahants after they die, because after they die they are no more. There can be no experience. Okay, now this is the third noble truth. Uh-huh.